Hello and welcome to the Speak Female podcast, the podcast that is on a mission to empower, coach and educate women as well as allies around the world to become more confident, knowledgeable and to have the opportunity to listen to real subjects that they can either relate to or learn something from. Speak female as a term is defined by changing the meaning around words, phrases and stereotypes that tend to have a negative association towards women. Speak female is about how we can and will edit the narrative to build a value community with a goal to see justice in the world. I'm your host, Lucy Grimwade, and I wear many hats where I think and encourage others to think outside of the box. I'm an ICF qualified coach, senior IT improvement manager, and of course, audio and visual podcaster. For season three, I have introduced panel style conversations on topics such as leadership, confidence and menopause. This is alongside a couple of interviews with incredible women doing incredible things. Now let's speak female. Welcome back to the Speak Female podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about leadership. I'm joined by Kim Gowan. She is a Canadian living in the UK with a change management consultancy with a focus on co-creating employee-centric change journeys. And I'm also joined by Kerry Outlaw, change consultancy owner and founder and team coach with a passion for supporting organisations and teams through cultural change to achieve and sustain their purpose. Welcome, Kerry and Kim, to the Speak Female podcast. And I am going to dive straight in and I'm going to ask you the first question around how do you define leadership? And Kerry, I'm going to come to you first. Oh, hi, Lucy. And thank you very much for inviting me to speak on this podcast. It's really kind of you and lovely to meet you. Um, So, yes, definition of leadership. Well, Um, I think it depends what sort of leadership you're talking about. Um, I think my my own personal feeling is that leadership in a a, a sense of like army or services, that type of thing, is really quite different to the sort of leadership you experience in business or the leadership you want to experience in business. But I think the things that they tend to have in common, even if one's much more authoritative and one's much more empowering, is it's it's that ability to gain followership that people actually want to follow you they're inspired by what you have to say and they're willing to give give themselves to that so that would that would be my definition and kim i'll come to you yeah thanks lucy and i'll echo what carrie said thanks very much for having me i've listened to so many of your podcasts and i'm thrilled to become a participant and not just a, a listener um, so when we talk about leadership, I think I, I was talking about this with a girlfriend of mine back home over the weekend, and she had a brilliant analogy, which hopefully I can do justice to. So if you think of going to the orchestra, uh, you walk in and um, you start to get the musicians coming out one by one, and then they start tuning their instruments and they start playing some notes. And it, it might sound okay with what they're doing, but they're not creating magic at that point in time. It's just a collection of individuals um, playing their instruments. And then think about what happens the minute that conductor walks in. The, The conductor comes in, he stands in front of the orchestra, 
there's silence. He taps, does whatever he does. And all of a sudden, that those individuals become a collective and they all start making great music because the conductor is the one that brings them together to create the music. So for me, I would see leadership as being it's creating the environment where others can contribute their best towards the common effort. Yeah, I really like that analogy. Thank you for sharing that, Kim. And I think I can definitely echo what what both you have said there around good leadership. Also around kind of seeing leaders get involved, not kind of get into the weeds, not just kind of sitting from being the ivory tower, but Mm. actually actively getting themselves involved with the day to day. So that leads me on to my next question, really. What makes good leadership? Kerry, I'll come to you first on that. What makes a good leader? I think, um, again, I'm just thinking back through my career and my life. And certainly as a consultant who works with a lot of leaders, you know, there are lots that I'd like to work with again, and there's some that I really wouldn't. So <laughs> I think I think the difference is some of them are good leaders and then some of them are not. Um, but what makes good leadership? I think it's a, a range of different things. Um, you know, the first thing I think is is the fact that it's they've got to be inspiring. Um, they've got to be empowering. And and to know that it's not all about them, it's it's not a way of gaining status. You can be a leader, whatever sort of level of the organisation you are, but it's someone who who is able able to motivate people to go somewhere, you know, go to a certain uh, uh, strategy or to a certain goal. Um, and I think as a as an individual. There's lots of ways of doing that. And again, I think it's quite situational a lot of the time. Um, whether is it a crisis that they're trying to work through, in which case you sometimes need someone who can bang a few drums and, and just get people moving. Or, or is it something which is far more sort of transformational and more of an evolution rather than a revolution where we really need to listen to people and hear what they've got to contribute and allow them to contribute and empower them to give their best to reach that purpose and goal and, and to buy in completely to the story and the end goal that they're all aiming for. Yeah, Kerry, really like that, the inspiring and empowering. And you, you mentioned they're kind of allowing allowing people to be people. And yeah. definitely I think people that are listening can really resonate with when they've seen good leaders, that person that kind of supports you, helps you, pushes you forwards, but also when you're in a crisis to kind of have the welly to kind of get stuff done, really. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Kim, can I come to you next, please? What, what makes good leadership? Yeah, I think Carrie's certainly hit on a lot of the key qualities. Um, and for me, it's about, it's kind of like being more, interested in the well-being of others than being interest or being concerned with being interesting yourself. So the focus is on the development of others. And I know for me, when I was in the corporate world leading teams of people, I put as much if much if not more focus on how my people delivered on their objectives versus what they delivered. Because those are easy to measure. But I think it's taking that interest in the well-being and the betterment of those around you 
and wanting to make sure that whenever they leave your team, whether that's moving somewhere else in the organization or moving outside of the organization, it's about ensuring that they leave stronger than when they arrived. So it is about having humility and being vulnerable yourself, showing up that titles don't mean anything. There's a level of respect, but you're all people and you all bring something to the party and you want to foster that and bring out the best in those individuals. But I also think it's about, it's about connecting with each individual and not the team because everyone reacts to things differently. So you can't just treat everyone the same way. With some people, you might have to challenge them and push them a little bit more. With others, you might have to protect them and create a safer space for them in order to help them feel comfortable and come out of their shell. So I think it's all that stuff wrapped around. Yeah, Carrie. I, 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 just, I was just going to say, I think um, in, in terms of leadership, I, I, I can't remember who, who, who made this quote, but it was something along the lines of um, leaders should be creating new leaders. You know, that's part of their part of their role is to see the qualities in people that will enable them to become leaders themselves. So they're constantly looking for their successors, if you like. Um, and I think what Kim says is absolutely true. In a really large organisation, though, it's almost impossible to get to know every individual. So creating those leaders beneath you who can do that for themselves just makes the whole thing work much more smoothly. Yeah, it, li- it links back to that empowerment piece, Kim. Yeah, I was I was going to say that um, I think, too, the strength of a leader is also with not being afraid of having strong people around you. So Absolutely. not to feel threatened by it. And I, I don't know about you, Carrie, but I've seen that and I've been on the receiving end of that a little bit too often. Whether it's a male or a female boss, it doesn't make a difference. But I think you've got to be comfortable with yourself and understand what your strengths and weaknesses are. And if you've got weaknesses, shore it up, shore it up with people who are stronger than what you are, because if they're doing a great job, you're going to end up doing a great job by de- by default, but not to be afraid of people challenging you. Cause if I, and for me, if I, if I had a team of people who just said yes to me all the time, because I was the boss, Sometimes I thought that would have been nice because there was a little bit too much. (laughs) Well, what about this? And what about that idea? But fundamentally, my ideas aren't the best. I'm not in the role as a leader because I have the best ideas. I'm in the role as a leader because I bring out the best and those great ideas from the team around me. Harry? I think that's where um, the whole subject of psychological safety comes in. And to me, um, if you are a leader you are the person that creates that psychologically safe environment. And that's the only way that you're going to empower people and encourage them to come forward with their ideas, point out risks and things that are falling apart, um, and and to just just be them and be the best that they can be. I think where I've, I've been in environments where there is no psychological safety, people are... are afraid to stick their head above the parapet at any time um and to me that's a failure of leadership Kerry can I ask you what does um psychological safety mean that's a very good question 
And it's it's something I um, have done quite a lot of work around. Um, it's if you take trust, if you think about trust on a on a one to one basis, psychological safety, I think, is more that trust multiplied many many times, such that there is an environment where people don't feel that they're going to get knocked down if they say something which other people might not agree with, or that might be a bit controversial or may, may actually be wrong, but people are able to be wrong. We, we all fail sometimes, right? We, we don't always get everything right. So some of it's just about having that opportunity to fail, learn from that, and then gain the experience on that and, and, and do something better next time. But I think in, in some environments where failure is not an option, People won't try anything. They won't risk themselves and they, they'll be afraid of the retribution or being knocked back. Would you say it's that safe space to be vulnerable and creative? Yeah, to me, it's almost like not being able to be vulnerable. I think it's, I think the leader has to be vulnerable in order to accept that, um, they may not have it right all the time and to be able to share stories around you know, actually, I don't feel so comfortable with this because I don't necessarily know. This is not necessarily my subject. But what ideas do you have, guys? You know, if if they can create that sort of environment by being vulnerable themselves, then I think other people don't feel vulnerable. They come forward because they feel strong and not vulnerable. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for explaining that. And I just want to pick up on on a couple of things that you both said, really. One was around kind of being interested in that person and kind of the betterment of that person as well, which I really like. I think it was Kim that you said that. Really like what you said there because I think it's so incredibly important to empower and enrich whoever it is that you're managing. And, you know, just to kind of give a a short story is when I recently left an organization, when I handed my notice in, one of my senior leaders didn't talk to me anymore because I was leaving. And Mm -hmm you know it's it's crazy to think that that's not my mindset it doesn't sound like it's both of yours as well you know you want to empower and rich no matter where that person's going you want to make sure that that person is going to be the best person leader human <laughs> that they're going to possibly be but that that's where it comes back to the point around it's as a leader it's not about you it's mm-hmm. about others And my initial thought, based on what you've just shared, Lucy, is that that individual was thinking of himself and the problem he was faced with now that you were leaving the organization. And it wasn't about whether it was in your best interest or a great opportunity. Um, And I think, again, as leaders, we have to have some humility and a bit of selflessness there as well, recognizing that if we help our team be successful, it's like that conductor. You're only an actor if you have an orchestra. So I'm only, not that I need to have people to be a leader, but, you know, my success as a leader comes from corralling people, whether they're on my team or not. Yeah. And it's funny, the reason why I'm kind of hesitating here is because, Kim, you said um, himself, and it was a him. And I just (laughs) find that funny because we're on Speak Female. And... (laughs) And you're right, it was him. Um, and I think that leads me quite nicely onto my my next question, actually, around, we've just talked about good leadership. Tell me about what bad leadership looks like. And um, Kim, I'll come to you on that one. 
Yeah, well, isn't there a statistic uh, that that speaks to the one of the main reasons people leave organizations is because of who their line manager is? So I, I've been over the course of my career, I can probably remember ten different leaders or line managers that I've had, and of those ten. I, at a push, I would say two of them were ones that I would aspire uh, to model myself after. So that's not good, only 20%. But then if you take a little, and, and but that being said, the ones that the, the eight um, that I didn't necessarily aspire to be like, I still learned a heck of a lot. And in a lot of cases, the learnings from those leaders were as formative, if not more so, for who I am today than the ones that were strong and positive. Um, but I did an exercise, which I think was really interesting and surprising. I had one role that lasted over a number of years, and I had two line managers, same role, two line managers. And I had been asked to just kind of think about the impact of leadership on me. So I took my seven core values, things that are most important to me that I, I want to get out of a work environment. And I rated how fulfilled I was with leader one. And I did the same exercise with leader two. And remember, it's the same job. Leader one, seven out of seven were fulfilled. Leader two, three out of seven. And that says a lot to me because I was operating at a senior level in an organization, one down from board of a large global company. I, I didn't need to have validation from a leader. I was looking for different things, but it was really interesting to step back and see such a difference of how I felt doing the same job with two different leaders. So now if you trickle that down an organization, you know, throughout an organization, the impacts can be quite staggering. And yeah, just, we, we really have to work on that. Harry. I, I don't know how long you've got if you want to tell <laughs> bad leaders. But, um, yeah, uh, in my work, I, so I'm a change consultant. I work with whole organisations, including leadership teams, generally to try and shift their culture to one which is actually going to enable them to meet their, their goals and their strategy. Um, most of it's in banks. And as a consequence of that, I've met some very interesting people over time. Um, and sadly, I have to say that some of the worst leadership has been uh, female. And I don't know if that's something to do with the, the sector, but certainly if I go back sort of 30 years in my career to when I first became involved in banking, um, there weren't many women leaders at all, certainly not in the UK. Uh, there were in the, in the States. Um but they dressed like men, they acted like men, they had no feminine quality, qualities about them at all. It was all, it was all about, um, bullying and, uh, you know, being the big I am and just that whole sort of command and control type. And I suppose I learned from that, that's just not what I want to be. And now, although, there are many more female leaders, very senior people in some of these organisations. I think some of these women have seen these role models from, you know, 20, 30 years ago and, and just 
picked up that same sort of style and and carried on with it. And I, I'm sorry to say that it's probably mainly women of my generation. Um, I think younger women um, tend to be more aligned with the needs of people that are now in the workplace who have a very different need for leadership. They want to be empowered. They want to take responsibility. They want just to get on. They want to learn. Um, and some of the bad leadership I have are the ones that really try and stall, stall that, possibly sometimes through being threatened, threatened in their, in their role. Some of it, I think, because, um, that they've got to where they are based upon the style of leadership they've had all of that time. And it threatens their status if they've got to change. But much of my work is with people who do need to change in order for their organization to move and to change and to become more adaptive and more innovative and, and just be a nicer place to work, to be quite honest. Um, so I think a, a, there's a number of women who I think put on the armor to come to work um, and as such become bad leaders. Uh, equally, I, I'm talking about women here. Equally, I've seen the same in men. It's just perhaps because I'm female and I think many leadership qualities are more, I, I don't know, more likely to be female or feminine quantities. I don't know. Yeah. Um, when we talk about the impacts of poor leadership, I, I've seen this and I don't know if you've experienced it, Carrie, but one of the, the leaders I had who was actually one of my top, um, the two that I, I really valued was very difficult. Um, wouldn't, very challenging. And though I had a great relationship with this individual, not everyone did. And what's, what I found interesting was we all had to deal with a very challenging style, leadership style, but it's how you react to it, which I think is so important as well, because I didn't become different. I didn't change my leadership style to my team because of what I was being subjected to from my um, line manager, whereas several of my peers used the excuse that, well, this is what I've known. This is, you know, I've, I've worked under this for 10 years. So I'm, of course I'm going to behave this way. And it was kind of an excuse for their poor behavior to their team. And I don't think that's right. I mean, it's one thing to have a, a bad leader, but we all have choices to make as to how we deal with that. And I get not everyone's strong enough or has enough self-awareness, but I think for a lot of people, we have to look inside and accept responsibility and either accept it or try and address it, but don't let that define who we are. Yeah, Kim, um, I have to say that when you were saying that there, I have seen, and actually I'm going to kind of be honest here, I've mimicked bad behavior because my leaders were putting that bad behavior onto me and then I would then speak more aggressively to my staff or I was in meetings and I would feel the pressure I'd feel so much pressure that it would come out and it's not a proud moment at all and I really had to take a step back and, and look at my behavior because I realized that wasn't the leader I wanted to be and and Kerry to your point around the females and, and bad leadership in females, 
I think in the generations that I'm seeing now is that there's this this compassion, which I think is slightly stemmed from the amount of social media people consume. That's just my view there. But um, there's this whole competition of of not supporting each other, that kind of looking at each other up and down, um, competition over, you know, what handbags and stuff that you have. And it, it's 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 almost a little bit scary and actually it can really impact you as a as a team member, as a leader, as you know, a business owner, um, etc. So just thinking about that impact. And Kim, I know that you kind of touched upon um kind of that impact it can have on you. And you said about those those seven things that you kind of did with your two different leaders. Kerry, can I ask you about the kind of how a leader can really impact a team and a person and even yourself? Sadly, I've, I've got some very, very, very awful stories, really, of people that have um, been driven to you know, breakdown by, through bad leadership. Um, people who have harmed themselves. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing to to leave an organisation because it's just an unhealthy environment, and you, you don't you don't like the sort of leadership you've got. I think it's quite another where people have been so bullied and and made to feel so um, poor in, and just so you know, just just yeah dirt basically that they end up um, self harming and that that to me you know, could I ever live with myself if if I ever felt that something I'd done the way I'd had acted the way I behaved had led someone to be like that um that that to me is just surrender you know I'm talking about the real low real lows now but you know I just think generally in terms of um the impact of let's let's talk about the impact of good leadership (laughs) rather than just the bad the the impact of good leadership is such that I think people can get to a point where they can they can achieve so much more than they ever thought they were capable of. And it's it's that constant encouragement and, as I say, the, the, the opportunity to fail and learn from it and grow from it. Um, when you've got good leaders, people exceed all their own expectations as much as they do yours. Kim, come to you next. Sorry, in terms of good, what good leadership and the impacts of the impact of good leadership. Yeah, I I think, as I said earlier, it's about how we do things and how we impact others. And that's what's important rather than so much just focused on what we actually do. Um, And I think if it's a good leader, it's exactly what Carrie said. People feel comfortable to push outside of their own comfort zone, try things they haven't tried before, um, take on more responsibility and know that it's okay if they don't do well and also know that their leader will have their back if they make a mistake. So it's not just failing. That sounds kind of big, but it's just making a mistake and not calling them out in public. It's just about being respectful and we all want this. We all want to feel seen, valued, heard. We want to feel valued. And I think good leadership brings out the best in people. And when you bring out the best in people, 
they work for that collective goal and you get the best results you can. So I think you could take, I mean, if I think of what I did last, I didn't know what half of my team did, to be honest. I mean, they were quite technical in things. And I remember when I walked into that team, it was a group of people who there wasn't much morale. They were very disengaged. Uh, They were all very good at what they did, but the role that they had to execute previously put them in a tough position and they were feeling really beat up. And I had to figure out, well, what am I going to do with this group and how, how can I add value when I don't really know what they do and they're all experts in their field. And, and I think as a leader, what I got to was whether I knew what they did or not, my role as a leader is to remove obstacles and to help them be successful. So it doesn't matter if I'm I'm selling widgets or, you know, I'm selling computers. It doesn't matter as a leader. That's my overarching role to help remove obstacles for people to be successful. So if you get it right, you've got a, a group of highly engaged people that go the extra mile are so enthusiastic and that enthusiasm then ekes through the organization. So it it impacts the culture so much when you've got strong leadership. Harry. Just just building upon that really, I just think another story I can tell is is, um, an organization where success wasn't celebrated very much. Things that went wrong became long sort of um, investigations um, and they never really got to the point of of understanding or learning from that because everybody wanted to point the finger at everybody else. And sometimes, again, not a psychologically safe environment, people knew things were going wrong but were afraid to put up their hand and say so because the blame might get pointed back at them. And I think the uh, the whole idea of um, celebrating successes, but also celebrating the learning from failure is a really important thing to do. I'll give you an example, and this is in one another bank, um, where it, it was very much around um, sort of encouraging a culture of risk awareness. But it was one where we came up with the idea of celebrating successes, but we'd also have the bomb of the week where it got discussed. You know, it's like, okay, who, who had the bomb of the week? You know, who, who, who cocked up the most in this last week? But it's, it's, and the story was about saying, this is what happened. This is when I realized something was going wrong. And this is what I've done differently since. So you're sharing the learning. You're not just learning yourself, but you're sharing the learning. And that required really strong leadership to be able to encourage people to speak up like that and actually, in some respects, celebrate the failure. Because when you fail, you learn. You know, it's incredible. I've worked for people who have said to me when I've done something wrong, okay, are you going to do it again? Oh, my goodness, no. What have you learned from it? Well, actually, I learned that I'm not going to press that button again. And yeah, it can really work, Kim. When you talk about learn from failure. So this to me is an example of one of the greatest leadership um, things that I've ever witnessed. And luckily, I was on the receiving end of it. 
So go back a number of years and we were um, in the midst of closing this big deal. It was about a hundred million and it was money that we had to get in the bank by the end of March. It was a commitment that our Japanese parent had made to the markets. We needed to get this over the line. And I was responsible for um, getting the due diligence done with the, the entity that was going to buy us. And I did all the operational stuff. And I had a couple of people supporting me. We had just signed the deal. The ink was barely dry. I'd gone back to the office. And I realized that one of the appendixes we had signed, which we had um, had said was fine, like everything was okay, it was wrong. Um, and it wasn't material, but it was wrong. And it put the entire transaction at risk. And I had to go in. It was 6.30. I had to go into my boss. I had to call... Uh, an advisor who was working with me on it and one of my direct reports, technically they were the ones that had done the work on these appendixes, but it didn't matter. It was me who missed it. So I remember going in and I had the CFO and I had our head of legal who had just finished negotiating this. And I had to say, we've cocked up. So it's kind of one of those go big or go home things. Why cock up for a hundred when I can do it for a hundred million? So this is such a great story that I've told to so many people, especially junior people who are so afraid to make a mistake. I made a mistake on a hundred million pound deal. When we finished the call, I couldn't, I was in the office with my boss and he didn't like touchy feely, you know, female things. And I was on the verge of tears because I was so devastated at what I just had to share. So as soon as we finished the call and through the whole call, I was sitting there writing my resignation letter, got off the phone, was ready to walk out. And he said to me, look at me. And I said, I'm not looking at you. I had my head down and we were both about six feet tall. He said, look at me. I said, no, I'm not looking at you because what you're going to see in my eyes is everything you don't like about having a female reporting to you. He came up to me and this is a moment I still get tingles thinking about it. He put his hands on my shoulder in an appropriate way and said, look me in the eye. And I looked at him and he said, you made a mistake. Don't care. The sign of a great leader is how you solve it. So I want you to go home tonight and I just want you to think about what we're going to do to get through this. He said, is there anything I could possibly say to you right now that would make you feel worse? And I said, nope, I don't think so. He said, well, then there's nothing to say. Go home, have a nice evening and we'll reconvene in the morning. I will never, ever, ever forget that because in that moment when he had every right to take me out at the knees, what did he do? He showed more compassion than I'd ever seen him in his life. And I, I do, I get emotional thinking about it, but that to me sums up leadership. That's a good leader, excellent leader right there. Yeah. I'm just letting that sink in for me. Kerry? <laughs> I was just going to say, I, I, I think it's a, a, a wonderful story and, um, oh boy, don't we wish there were more of those types around. But it, I think, again, Going back in my career uh, 20 years ago, um, you know, investment banking, everybody sort of thinks it's just like really, really tough environment and so on. I had some of the best leaders um, in one particular bank, um, gave me enough leash 
just had so much confidence in me that it was like you won't cook it up because you know what you're doing um just just let me go and and I I created you know loads of stuff for them and built lots of technology and moved lots of systems around and created different teams and so on and all of it was because they just trusted me and it was it was almost that like the sho- the hand on the shoulder saying you're doing well girl just keep going um and you just need that now and again you just need that just you don't need them to tell you how to do it you just need to let let people do it for themselves and find out sometimes the hard way i think you know just to kind of pull together what we've talked about we started off by asking about um what does it mean to be a leader what is leadership and i think we could all say that if you ask 10 people what it means to be a leader, you'd probably get 10 different answers. But I think the one thing we can all agree on, especially after listening to both of our, like the stories that we've shared, is that as a leader, you have an incredible ability to impact people, whether it be positive or negative. Absolutely. And Kerry, I just wanted to kind of say something about um, I started my career in investment banking and yeah. everyone's like, oh, I bet that was really tough. I actually that made my made my career. It gave me resilience. It gave me strength. It taught me what good leadership is and bad leadership isn't. And um, I worked for a bank that were founded in South Africa and they had fantastic values. And I actually carry those those values now. And one of their their values was and um, we break China for our clients. So, and I say all the time to everyone that, you know, I'll always get that extra mile for for clients, for friends, for families, for colleagues, for managers. Kerry, you also wanted to say something. Oh, well, I, I just completely agree. And and it, it's just, um, you know, this, this was, this is banking in the nineties. And um, yeah, it, I think so many people thought it was such a, an awful place to, to work and how as a young woman, um of four foot eleven and a half is gonna survive in you know in a in a, a whole bunch of six foot two American guys. It, it it the fact is it did and I had their respect and they had mine. Um I you know it was it was a crazy time in many ways but I was happy to work 15 hour days because I believed in what we were doing and um, I was able to shape some of that. And, and to me, that that shaped me for the rest of my life as well. So I wanted to kind of move on and ask a question around, do you need to be a leader of people to be a leader? Kim, I'm going to come to you on that one first. You need to be a leader of people to be a leader. Absolutely not. And I think it's one of those things that a lot of people confuse success in an organization with the number of people that report to them. And I don't think that has anything to do with it. One of the best roles I had was when I worked in a matrix organization with zero people reporting to me, yet I had to influence 24 different countries to do what I wanted to do. So I had more responsibility when I didn't have the people responsibility. But I think, um, I could probably bring in a quote from Simon Sinek, who is uh, I'm a huge fan of. And he talks about, if I get it right, there are leaders and there are those that lead. 
leaders hold a position of power or influence. Those who lead inspire us. And I think that kind of sums it up. It's just about inspiring people. And you don't have to have direct reports that you inspire. You can do that across an organization, across countries. It's, it's about being able to tell those stories, create a picture and inspire people to choose to be part of that journey with you. So no, in my view, you do not need to. Carrie. Um, and I'm, I'm with Kim on, on this pretty much. I, in, and, but that's, if you think about it, um, you know, there's many, many different people are leaders uh, without having lots of lots of people reporting to them. And sometimes not having any people reporting to them at all. Um, so from that point of view, yes. But do you need to lead people or can you lead something else? No, it, it is about leading people. They don't have to report to you. You don't have to own them or have any other authority over them. But I don't think you can be a leader of things. I think you can be an expert in things. You just can't be a leader of things. And to kind of finish the podcast today, I wanted to ask you a question around well, two questions, actually. One, how can we empower more women into leadership positions? Kim? I, I think that this is where sponsorship, as one example, might be um, a, a way of encouraging people. I think it's, it's we need to champion females, um, not to the exclusion of men, because it is about whoever's the best for the role. But we need to encourage women, especially in some of those fields and industries where there is a bias towards men, just because traditionally more men have been in those industries. But it's it's making them feel comfortable and helping them understand that we don't have to have 100 percent of qualifications to to um, apply for roles. But I think that there's, as a woman, we also have a responsibility to step into the arena as well. And just one really short story. I remember years and years and years ago, I was part of, um, I was in a global organization and I was asked to sit in on a global steering committee and it was around program development. So this was the best of the bunch of us who did program management throughout the organization. There was about 15 of us. Alongside us, there was another committee that was focused on business development. So the new business development, same thing, about 15 people. We all came together. So you've got 30 of the, the best and the brightest throughout those two disciplines across the globe. And our CEO came in to have um, a discussion with us and he asked us questions. And my question, I said, it isn't a question. It's just an observation. And it wasn't casting aspersions at him or anything. But I said, I find it fascinating that we are the best with it throughout the, the globe. And I'm the only female sitting here outside of someone from marketing. And my point was, yes, there's a little bit about, you know, are we, are we enabling women to be a part of it? But Another part, which I'm quite passionate about, is we have to step up. So I'd be really interested in understanding, you know, when that role comes up, how many women are applying for it? Because if they're not applying for it, you know, we have to take some responsibility for that as well. But I think if we encourage and and maybe start focusing more on sponsoring women and helping them um, move up, that would help. 
I agree with you, Kim. I think I am the most encouraging person that you probably have in your life and friends that have, but that are kind of my friends and my family and just even people in the street that I meet, I'm always kind of encouraging females and to, to empower themselves and just to kind of carry before I come to you, just to kind of give you a, a short story as well. Um, a few years ago, before the pandemic, I went to um, uh, Gosh in Great Ormond Street Hospital in uh, London with my friend and her son. And the lady doctor that came by, she was like giving my friend an update. And I said, I've got to stop you. And she's like, what? And I was like, well done you for like being a female doctor, saving people's lives, like well done, da, da, da. And she was like, okay, she just looked at me weird thinking I was a weirdo. And I thought, I don't care because actually, well done because there was hardly any females that were speaking to my friend and about her son. But this one woman, she came in and she, you know, she was like, oh, I'm Dr. So-and-so and da, da, da. And I was like, yes, I'm going to let you know. Go, you girlfriend. <laughs> Carrie, I'll come to you next on that question. I'd, I'd agree with you, um, you, Kim, in terms of the fact that we've got to step up. Um, I think I think um, our generation is perhaps the first generation that's taken a lot of the, or started to take on a lot of the leadership positions. And we, we need to really, as you say, sponsor, mentor, women where we can see they've got the right qualities already sort of innate in them that that we can we can help them sort of develop and strengthen in order to become the leaders of tomorrow but again I think it's not so much about um the job or the title which gives them or lends them leadership it's what they can do every day you know and there are so many leaders out there who never have the title. They just happen to be the person that people go and talk to at the coffee machine because they know that they they've got the ear of some more senior people and they and and they can be their their channel to get their their voices heard, or that they are willing to listen um, and and just hear out somebody who's a bit afraid of what's coming up or or doesn't feel that they're really getting the same sort of um, acceptance or or uh, value from 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 their role. So I think I think it's about um, to me right now. I think it's a case of what people are looking for. People, and I mean every gender, every race, whatever, are looking for those qualities which are innately feminine in in the way that they operate. The whole idea of compassion and listening and um, being empathetic and understanding and not so competitive. I'm not sure that's true of all women, but. So at the end of each episode, I'm asking my guests to come up with a bit of a toolbox around what we can take away. So I want to ask you, how can we um, empower ourselves Oh, God, I don't know what I'm saying here. I got thrown <laughs> off by the spider. Stop, 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 stop. Toolbox to improve our leadership skills. Right. Pause. Hmm. At the end of each episode, I'm asking my guests to kind of pull together a toolbox. So I would like to ask you, what could we do to, to improve our leadership skills? And Kim, I'll come to you first on that one. So to pick up on what Carrie just said around, and it's such a valid point, 
it doesn't matter where you are in an organization. You could have a receptionist who could still be deemed to be a leader for how she hand, she or he handles herself or interacts with others. So I just think it's looking around your environment, whatever role you play, and putting yourselves in the shoes of those around you and thinking about what would make them feel seen, valued, heard? What would make them feel comfortable and safe? And show some vulnerability yourself. You've got to put yourself out there in order to get something back. So I would I would focus on creating that safe space, being vulnerable. And maybe it goes back to something I said at the beginning, which is work on being more interested in others than focusing on being interesting yourself. And Kerry? Uh, again, completely agree. We agree with too much, Kim. But I think I think it may have something to do with our backgrounds. But uh, in, ter- in terms of a toolkit, uh, I think the big thing on an individual basis is to allow yourself time to self-reflect. If you, if you get to the end of the day and start thinking about yourself and how you've acted and behaved and how other people have acted and behaved towards you, then you can learn a lot. And I think so you just need that little bit of self-reflection. But I I would also like to use a quote, if I may. And it's from from somebody called Jim Rohn, who I've got a huge amount of time for has some fantastic, fantastic quotes and takeaways. It's a fairly long one, so bear with me. Um, but he says, the challenge of leadership is to be strong but not rude. Be kind, but not weak. Be bold, but not a bully. Be thoughtful, but not lazy. Be humble, but not timid. Be proud, but not arrogant. Have humour, but not folly. And I think if everybody just took those those sentences and sort of marked themselves out of 10 every night, looking to get a score of 10 on the first piece, and zero on the last. If you're constantly sort of striving to do that, you're going to improve your leadership skills. And what a wonderful way to end this podcast today. So thank you both for joining me on Speak Female. Thank you for tuning in to the Speak Female podcast. I've been your host, Lucy Grimwade. Check out the show notes where you will find contact details for the panellists that have been on this episode today. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and share across your networks. The more people we can reach, the better. And I will leave you with this. Be curious, be kind and be the change you want to see in the world. Speak female soon.